Today's podcast is a little longer. I'm taking a piece from a talk I gave online before one of our group meditations. And I answer a, a student's question having to do with how meditation changes us and how it doesn't change us and what we have to do in order to make the changes in ourselves we would like to make, what we have to do in addition to meditation. And please know I am quoting from my friend when I call her a name that I would never call her myself. Good morning and welcome to another experiment in consciousness. It's all an experiment in consciousness. My friend Julie asked, how does meditation change one's personality? Her husband began meditating six months ago and his personality changed immediately and she's been meditating for years and she's still a bitch. <laughs> That's not a change in personality. It's a change in it's a change in which part of the personality we're listening to at a given moment, which uh, facet of the personality we're allowing to direct our expression in a given moment, and probably most to the point, which demands within are we listening to uh, at a given moment. We're always at effect of, not the mercy of, but at the effect of, our uh, survival needs as as nervous systems as animals with thinking and imaging and storytelling brains and really a lot of what our behavior is based on is the messages we receive from this nervous system and the stories we tell ourselves about those messages, which then in turn triggers more messages in the nervous system, which uh, causes us to see things differently and on and on. And it builds upon itself. And if we're listening to the nervous system and those stories, then we're going to be at the effect of the nervous system and those stories. And it's a, it's a fraught world. It's a dangerous place to be from one perspective. From the perspective of, well, if you, if you watch the news at all, it's just everything's going to hell in a handbasket. And even when crime is down, there's a crime wave if you listen to the news. And if, if you're paying attention to that, then you think that we're on the verge of death all the time. When I grew up, we were on the verge of atomic bomb catastrophe at every moment we had we had to learn in school how to duck and cover how to get, get under our little first grader desks in case an atom bomb went off because everyone knew billings montana was on the map for uh, where the where the missiles were supposed to come and indeed there were missile silos so it probably was on the map but you know as if that's going to do you any good so then there it wasn't a crime wave. It was nuclear catastrophe. Now it's those people and what, and it was those people then too, but it is those people and what they're going to do to us. And, and there we have this inbuilt prejudice against something and then we assign it. And, uh, other is where we assign it. Other color, other race, other religion, 
other opinion, other socioeconomic level, or other just in terms of interfering with my ability to move around the kitchen. We have a very narrow kitchen, and my wife has this extraordinary gift of always being where I need to go. She just does. And if I take that personally, it's almost divorce level. It's like, you are in my way again. You don't pay attention to me. It's not about me at all. What the hell? After 20 odd years, but it's not personal. Almost none of this stuff is personal. But when we take it personally, it's them against me. And the important part of that equation is against me. And if I am looking at myself as victim of anything, I am going to identify the victimizer. And if I've identified the victimizer, I am going to have fight, flight, freeze, or fawn reactions to the victimizer. And like me, Julie's go-to is probably fight. Because I don't want to freeze and I don't want to flee because of, well, for also, also many reasons. So I will go into fight and fawn just, I would rather, I, I would rather hurt myself than fawn be, just because of the way I was raised and the, all of the stresses in my system that tell me that's not okay for me. So I go into to fight and in this world, we are so often in survival mode as a nervous system because we've been gathering these stresses for the whole of our life. And the more we have these stresses, the more we see the world as a place of possible danger. And the more we see the world as a place of possible danger, the more we gather stresses and back and forth. And we end up with a, a feedback loop of something's wrong. It's over there. Something wrong. It's over there. Something's wrong. It's over there. And we stay in that loop trying to change that loop. And if we stay in that loop trying to change that loop, the loop will never change. It will only lead us to more suffering because we're trying to figure out our way out of this loop that is there because we're trying to figure out how to get out of this loop. It's really that simple. There is no way to break out of this loop within this loop. We must find our way to know ourselves as something other than the loop. And meditation, absolutely job one, meditation allows me to transcend this loop, which is my thoughts and my feelings and the stories and the constant triggering, re-triggering, re-triggering of the way I look at the world. And then in meditation, I settle out of all of that into some degree of de-excitation, this wave of activity de-excites, and I start to feel this ocean of pure being, this place of oneness, this place of consciousness. And then I come back out into the world, and that voice is not only just as loud, but because in that deep de-excitation, I start to release stresses 
those stresses coming out feel to some degree the way they felt going in and they on the way out they trigger more of that loop so the voices might be even louder when i come out of meditation on a given meditation because that's the nature of the system my uh friend of mine used to say the demons scream the loudest when they're being thrown into the fire so if i'm listening for and listening to the loudest voice in the room is going to tell me I have to pay attention because my life is in danger. And because of the way our society is structured, my life being in danger can mean you're in my way. It can mean you're taking over my neighborhood. It can mean I don't have enough money and you have money and that means you've taken what's supposed to be mine even if we're have there's no connection between the two the loop will tell me differently so if i'm listening for the loudest voice the loudest voice is going to tell me to be separate different apart from and against and it doesn't matter who's over here i'm against them they don't even have to be over here they can be in my imagination and i'm against them and that makes sense for the loop but i am not the loop and coming out of meditation i must find my way to not identify as that loop of constant fear constant demand for aggression or the constant demand to protect myself the constant demand to know the difference between you and me so that i can keep this safe these are all the demands of the ego. It's not that that is not me. It's just that it's not the whole of me. It's an aspect of me. It's a window through which I view life. And, you know, God help you. If you don't have an ego, you're not going to be able to be anywhere. You're not going to be able to be with anyone because we have to know that I'm over here and you're over there. We have to know that we are separate. We couldn't have this conversation, and by conversation, I mean me talking. We couldn't have this conversation unless we knew we were separate from each other. This is why consciousness even embodied itself as all of this. In order to have this experience of seeming to be separate, but not in order to keep us separate, in order to allow us to have the opportunity to know our non-separateness even in this seemingly separate experience of each other we drop into meditation we come back out and then we want to do the work of knowing ourselves as that truth we find in the meditation that truth we find anytime we're able to settle out of the demands of the need for safety and insist on that even when the voices are screaming at us insist on imagining if we can't feel it what it would be like to have that feeling we get in meditation sometimes or all the time or often or or only once in a while but that feeling we've all had of everything's okay that's not just a momentary aberration that's the truth of what i am but i can't hear that quiet voice of Oh, if I'm listening to the screaming voice of you have to pay attention, you're about to die. You have to pay attention. They're 
out to get you. You have to pay attention. They don't care about you. You need to take care of yourself. And then our personality, I think, is simply our habituated way of expressing or experiencing those demands. It's just our habit. But habit implies it can be changed. My personality used to be one of gloom and doom and despair inside. But what I was seeing outside was there's one really intense guy and he's not speaking and he's dangerous. And people who knew me said, he's not dangerous. But if I met me, I would go, because oh, I've met me. I've met me out in the world. And I go like, I'm staying away from that guy, just not completely away, but far enough away that I can jump if he does. Because you couldn't read anything from that other than danger, possible danger, because it's so much energy and no indication of where it's going to go or what it's about or why it's there. So we meditate and then we're in the world and then we are bombarded with all of these internal messages of possible threat and danger. And we're driven by those. And we must find the way of stepping in between what I am and what those messages are so that I can begin to notice those messages over here and begin to have agency in choosing whether or not to identify with those messages and whether or not to take those messages as as a call to action, whether or not to take those messages personally, and whether or not to use this as the lens through which I'm viewing the world and you and your behavior in the world. You know, someone walks into a room with a resting face that's not animated in any fashion, and I'm looking through that lens of the world is dangerous and out to get me and it's personal, I'm going to see that as a scowl and they don't like me. And I'm not going to talk to them unless they talk to me. Because the last time they never talked to me, I said, hi, they, they ignored me. They don't even know I'm there most of the time. And if I'm, but if I'm looking through the lens of spirit, I might see someone walk through the door with resting face, not expressing anything. And I'm, I, I might see sorrow and, Oh, I wonder what's going on with him. How are you doing? Asking and genuinely listening. Or I might say, boy, they could really use some meditation. Hey, hi, my name's Jeff. How's it going? There's really only two ways of doing this. One, I'm listening to that voice and you're against me. Or two, I'm listening for something other than that voice and we're the same. And how is that going to negotiate itself this time? And that, in terms of activity, means grounded in truth here, seeing truth there, and finding out how truth can connect with truth. Because grounded in story here or loop here, and seeing behavior over there that's triggering loop, it's how do I need to protect myself from you? How can I get something over on you before you get something over on me? How can I find the way to ameliorate you so that I don't get hurt by you? 
How can I find the way to stay out of your way, to please you so that you don't hurt me? How do I find the way to kill you before you kill me? Whatever our go-to tool of survival is, we're going to engage in it if we're seeing other. And then as we engage in that tool, then we tell ourselves the stories about what it means that Look at you, you won't even confront anybody, you're weak. Look at you, you're always going off on people. What the hell's the matter with you? You're you're weak, you're cowardly. Look at you, you run away from everything, you're weak. And then we tell ourselves a story which makes us feel even less able to be in the world, even less worthy of being in the world, which then makes us even less safe in the world, which triggers even a louder voice that says we have to protect ourselves and on and on and on. But I have the choice in every moment to listen to that voice or to trust that there's something going on other than that voice and to trust that that something other in me is also in you. And that the only choice I have as spirit insisting on knowing itself as spirit, even as it's having the human experience. The only choice I have is to insist on knowing that even when, and especially when, I can't feel it. That's what Pema Chodron was saying in that lecture. My head is telling me this could really go badly. And the truth is saying this is what I must do. And I, whatever I am, I am choosing to not lend credence to the voice that tells me it could go badly and to lend all support and surrender to the truth that wants to be experienced through me and expressed through me. And this requires responsibility on our part to really choose on a daily basis and in a moment-to-moment basis, what am I going to allow myself to identify as? Am I going to stop the habitual identification as this limited nature? And can I insist on knowing myself as the fullness of life I'm meant to be? Throughout my day, I will pause and allow myself a moment to settle out of my thinking and into an experience of myself as that which is other than my thinking. I will allow myself the opportunity to be guided by something that wants nothing more for me but my highest good and the highest good of all those around me. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Embracing Bliss. I started this podcast and the book it's based on to offer a daily reminder to myself as well as to you that we have the freedom to choose happiness. And if ever we needed happiness and freedom to choose in this world, now would be that time. 
So please do share it with someone you love, send it to a friend, and also please stay in touch. Links for Instagram, uh, the book Embracing Bliss, and to sign up for my newsletter can all be found in the show notes. Until next time, have a great day.